When you're not organized, you put a funeral director in a situation to have conversations with your family they may not be prepared to have. Don't worry, there are preparations you can do. Conversations with a funeral director on this episode of the Executor Help Podcast. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. With me today on Executor Help Podcast, I've got Ryan Ballard and I've got uh, Brian Waters. They are the, well, they're funeral directors, but they're also the host of a pretty cool podcast called Undertaking the Podcast. Uh, Guys, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with me here on the show. Um, And the reason I thought was kind of cool to, to ask you guys on here is because um, well, my, before I even get started, how did the each of you get involved into the into the industry? It's not something that you know kids grow up to be. Uh, I think I want to be a funeral director. How did how do we end up here? Yeah, so my father has been a funeral director. He actually got his license during Vietnam while serving on Guam, and he's been a licensed funeral director and embalmer since 1965. So when I came around in 1982. I was born into a funeral family. They lived in the apartment above the funeral home. And we're in a very small rural area of Indiana. So we're talking, you know, less than 20,000 people in the county. And, you know, at first I didn't want to go into it. I wanted to do something completely different. I wanted to make my own way. And then the, the last semester, senior year, I just, it kind of occurred to me, like, this is the family farm. I grew up on this. I, I worked part-time at the funeral home for gas money. And I had an idea of what funeral service was, a very, very small idea. But I thought, this is kind of silly. Why would I leave the family farm? Now, I went to mortuary school in Vincennes at Vincennes University. And I left for school not knowing if my father would have ever had a job for me. But I graduated from Vincennes in 2003 and became a funeral director and fully licensed in 2005 and been practicing ever since. So it's kind of like joining the family farm in a way, Brian. Now, I, uh, my story is kind of on point with, with Brian's in a lot of ways, starting out with, you know, within a family business. You know, my uh, grandfather started originally our business. My father and my uncle were both funeral directors. Uh, I actually left town when I graduated high school. I went to Ball State University for about two years. Uh, I, I would say indulged a little bit, probably too much, and decided maybe I should go into the uh, uh, the workforce and became a paramedic. Uh, so paramedic for, well, altogether 15 years, uh, and then, uh, decided that, you know, the, the career ladder within paramedicine stops at a certain point. <clears throat> and, you know, I wanted to do better. I wanted to do well, um, started having kids, uh, you know, and, and living in the, the city and having kids, we just kind of felt like we wanted a, a different school district for them as well. And, you know, it, we ended up in back home in so many words. Um, <clears throat> so I, I went to mortuary school. I was working full-time as a paramedic and uh, full-time father, three, three girls, beautiful girls, wonderful wife. So, you know, um, that's kind of my story is, is how I came into it. My dad didn't really believe me initially when I told him that I was going to go to school um, you know, it, it took me selling my house in Indianapolis to, uh, and moving up, well, act, basically moving in with him for the first six months living wow. up here for him to realize that, oh, okay, he, uh, 
I think, I think he's telling the truth here. So kind of one of those moments. What would you each say is the best part of the industry or the business and the part that you, you, you find that it's difficult? Ryan, you want to take it? You know, you know, I, I like the, the best part of the industry, I think, are the thank yous. If, if you really want my honest opinion, being a paramedic as long as I was, uh, being on the streets as long as I was, you, you don't hear thank you very often. Within funeral service, it's something that, that I hear more so than not. And that's, you know, that's from the consumer, the client, the person that's had the, the you know, the family member, the loved one pass away. Um, you know, that, that is the good part of funeral service for me is the thank you. Because at that point, for me, it feels like there's in that moment of tragedy that there is some satisfaction as to what I've provided. Um, you know, uh, the hardest things, I think, within funeral service for me, uh, Brian, I've got two, two or three here that I can touch on. Anything pediatric, anything child-wise, embalming a child, um, is always horrible. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. It's horrible. Uh, you know, um, especially if there's some circumstances behind it. Uh, you know, anytime you're in there with in that room, uh, you know, whether it be a homicide or something like that, you know, there's always an aura with those cases for some reason. And it's an odd feeling back there. I don't like it. I don't care for it. Uh, with kids, there's always that. Uh, you know, it, because I, I, I think you're looking at it as a father, you know, and, uh, you know, th those are tough, man. Um, you know, dealing with those families and, and trying to guide them through this process is tough because I can't tell them that I know I, I don't know how they feel. I haven't had a, a, a child pass away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's hard. How, <clears throat> how do I extend empathy or sympathy? And, and them understand that, you know, I'm bleeding for them as well, but it's never happened to me. You know, it's so, yeah. you know, I think for me, those are the tough cases sitting in those rooms, trying to navigate not only those tragic cases, but navigate family turmoil uh, within, within the family that you're dealing with. You know, um, one thing I will say is this, <clears throat> when there's money involved, there's, there's always back and forth. There you um, go. Yeah. When, when, when insurance policies come up that, that are pretty substantial, um, you, you have some battles back and forth and, and, and not battles with me. I don't have, I don't care one way or another. It doesn't matter to me, but it's battles between family mem members amongst themselves, you know, and, and, and that's kind of a, that's a challenging aspect of arranging a funeral at times. Yeah. Um, you know, so those are tough things for me, Brian, your thoughts. No, I mean, uh, the good for funeral service for me is, uh, the personal nature of, uh, the situation that we're in as funeral directors, we get to know our families and their extended families. And, and we sit down on such a personal level at the worst time of their life. And we walk through them with that. And it's, there, there's no substitute. You can't just like go online and like you're ordering pizza, click, click click and you're going to have a great service experience, you know, because it, we, we know each other, we, we have an opportunity to discuss things and, you know, just sitting with a family and having, a, you know, asking a couple questions, just, you know, the spurs conversation. And when you get to know someone and get to know their, their loved one who has died, you, you can really serve that family to the best of your ability. And that is, you know, that is the key for me is to exceed 
first off to set expectations so we're all on the same page but then if I can exceed those then what Ryan reiterated the thank yous are are genuine they're hugs they're people that uh they don't forget who, who you are and they 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 come to, to trust on you but uh, you know there's also two sides of every coin and as you know Ryan talked I, you know I'll, I'll pass through you know the infant loss because clearly that's the hardest thing for most of us but at least in the United States and who knows about the rest of the West, but in the United States, we're finding such fractured families and it's tough. It's, it's tough to, as funeral directors, we've got to figure out who is actually in charge here because coroners, medical examiners, hospitals, nursing facilities, they don't necessarily care. They're, they're, they're going to say, well, this niece said to call you. Well, I don't know if I'm even allowed to come and bring your loved one into our care. I, I've So in a way, funeral directors are having to play detective to protect the person with the highest legal right. And that gets really, really tough. Um, by far for me, though, sitting at a table with grieving family members and they want to do something, but their loved one has told them, don't do anything when I die. And I kind of compare that to my birthday. Well, every year I'm asked about what I want to do for my birthday. And I don't want to bother. I've had birthdays before. It's not a big deal. Let's just get through it. But it's a big deal to my mom that, you know, as she, she had me that day, it's a big deal to my wife and my kids. They want to celebrate that day. And if I wouldn't allow them to do anything, yeah, it'd be a different story. So I sit there with families who have been instructed by their loved one, not to do anything. And you know, they want to do something and it doesn't even have to involve me. You know, I, I say it doesn't necessarily matter if you have a, a funeral, a celebration or a kegger, it's a funeral, um, but do something. And they just don't feel like they have the permission. You guys have said so much stuff that I I, I I want to get at because you've unpacked so much stuff. My my next question is: When people come to you, it's they probably avoided you know the the, the person has passed away. They probably avoided having the conversations with their family, and they're probably not organized. And that's probably because now you you like you said become the the detective. What kind of problems does the a family who's not organized pose for the pro, uh, for the funeral director. Oh, Ryan, I'll I'll jump on this one real quick. It's, You've got a story uh, that'd be even better. Oh man, if I I'll see as I kind of unravel this question if a story pops into my head. But it you know first off just finding that next of kin, and that's one of the biggest reasons for one star reviews on funeral homes is someone thinks that they have the authority, common law wife. Well, um, you know they they've been separated for 20 years, but they're still married. You know, there's someone out there that has the highest legal right. We've got to find that. And when you tell someone, no, you know, we find ourselves as funeral directors telling people not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And that gets us in some hot water sometimes. So that is rather, rather tough. Um, over my, over well, since 2005, I've seen many, many different families and it's night and day difference than those who are prepared or have even pre-planned to those who have no idea or their family won't even talk about it. Um, and I just try to encourage people to have a conversation because that'll give you a direction to go. And then you can follow your heart and follow your gut. But the, the biggest, well, one of the stories for me is just planning a funeral. And I, I think planning the funeral is one of the most important parts, sitting down with your funeral director, getting to know who you're talking with, because you'll learn real fast whether you can trust this person or whether you need to bolt and find a new one. And we encourage folks that you have the authority to do that, to change funeral homes all day long. But that arrangement conference is so personal. It's families become 
they, they start to trust you and they start to ask you questions and it's completely outside the realm of just let's get this funeral done because I can make funeral arrangements in 15 minutes if someone knows what they want and they can make decisions. And that's about my record is about 15 minutes and not that it's never a hurry, but that has been in a, a situation where someone is pre-planned. On the other hand, I've had several occasions where I've had to meet with families for multiple hours over multiple days. I think the record there is about eight hours over two days wow. to make funeral arrangements just because one, they don't know, they never talked about it Two, they're unprepared, whether financially or uh, one situation is uh, the deceased left a list of demands. This is what I want to happen. They're rather expensive and no mode for the family to pay for it. So we have a family member trying to fulfill their loved one's wishes. They're getting dictated to from the grave, but they've got no means to do it. And it's tough. It's you, you, you try to find, you try to find a middle ground where you can kind of do both, but r rarely can you just hit everything out of the park. Is it that by the time they get to you, the majority of the time, there's no will and that leads to a lot of problems or is it people do have a will, but they, haven't planned the funeral and they haven't had the conversations? Um, more so the conversation. So in Indiana, the funeral, um, whether burial, cremation, burial at sea, removal from the state, all that's going to be done before the will, it, we even get to that. Uh, one of the things that we always say, being that we're dealing, um, you know, in America for the most part is 50 states, 50 different sets of rules, which is absolute chaos, unfortunately. So I, you know, I've got people that walk in the funeral home and they tell me that, you know, I've, I've named my sister uh, in the will. She's going to be in charge of my funeral. And I'm like, I'm sorry, she's not. And then there's shock and panic because they felt that they've done so much right, but it just doesn't always work. So uh, there, there's definitely some frustrations from families there. Well, hold on. There are, there are modes to be able to, to get that handled before, you know, the, the time comes though, Brian, talk about that. Well, each state's going to have some sort of uh, document. Talk, or, talk about uh, Indiana. What do we have here in Indiana? Yeah, I'll that cover that. Be, yeah. Yeah. So each state's going to have a vehicle or a document that allows you to place a poor, uh, an appointment on another individual. So when I die, it's going to be my wife. But in Indiana, if Ryan Ballard is my health care power of attorney, he can make all my funeral arrangements. My wife can jump up and down and nothing, nothing could be done about it. Ryan's in charge. Right. I can actually make what's called a, a funeral planning declaration. This requires me to make my funeral arrangements and fund them. That's the key. And then I pick two people who are responsible to carry out my wishes. They've got no authority to change them, but they have the authority to see them out. Now, other states are going to have similar things like an appointment of agent. Some states will allow a person to sign a cremation authorization before they're even dead. They can sign their own paperwork. That's kind of interesting to me, but outside of my realm. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to do this. And being 50 states, 50 different sets of rules, there may be a there may, may be a state there. If you walk into the funeral home with a will and slap it down and say, look, neighbor Joe's taking care of my funeral, you could say, okay. No, I don't, I couldn't name any of those states, but right, right. R Ryan, what would you say? Because you 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 brought up about money and how it changes people. Is there any story that you can, you know, talk about where <laughs> it came to the funeral and there was family drama? Well, I can tell you this. I've been I've been in arrangements before um, where it's been six hours long. Um, my father has been in arrangements where he's actually had to send the family home, come back the next day 
let's try to iron it out the next day. So when, when there, yeah, when there's money involved, I don't know how else to say it. As a funeral director, Brian sees it. I see it. Um, you know, it change, it does change people. I, I, I don't, you know, it, that's just the reality of it. Sometimes people don't want to see that, hear that or whatever. And if I offend somebody, um, it is you, what you it haven't is. offended because I, I read about that in my book. Uh, I talk about it, the, the curse of inheritance. And I, I even went through it in my own family. I, it took me uh, seven years, 10 court appearances, $50,000 to settle my parents' estate. And they had a will. So there was, there, you know, there's money involved. And one sibling of the three of us didn't want to play fairly. So we had to go to court. Um, so I say that money does, you know, you never find out about somebody until you have to share an inheritance with them. And it's just amazing to me how people just change and you being on the front line because <clears throat> even before they start getting that estate money and they know there's money coming they've got to see you uh, and brian and you know start to settle the uh, get the things moving in terms of making sure that the burial takes place and stuff like that and maybe some of them are going to cut back on funeral costs because they know that's money that will be going more to the beneficiaries or it may not um can you tell when a family is disorganized and organized and what's the difference? What you've seen? Man, I'll be honest with you on my end of it. You know, I, I don't know that there's some families that are right on. Okay. They come in, they know it, they've been through this process before, boom, boom, boom. And they're out in an hour and a half. Okay. And then there's other families you're in there for three hours. I think it really varies as to the tragedy. I think it varies too, as to, uh, maybe the age group you're dealing with. Um, I think it, family dynamics come into play there immensely. Uh, you know, I don't think that's talked about it enough at all. But, you know, I, I just don't know that um, in most cases, I, I don't know that people, and Brian, maybe you've got more years than me. I've only got seven, but I don't know that a lot of people are prepared for for this and have thought about this. And I think the biggest thing is this, you know, and that's why this podcast is important is, is talking about this moment in the preparation. There are preparations that can be done, uh, you know, and, and, and I think sometimes people maybe don't realize that or don't necessarily want to approach it. But, you know, it, it's going to happen. It, this is this is something that nobody nobody wins this wins this battle. You know, yeah. it, it, it's something that happens to everybody full circle there. So. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's because that's of that, a lot of it. it it's because that? Of that that um, it's because of the again, like I said before, people avoid it. They procrastinate. And I like to say, spoiler alert, we're all going to die. So it's a question of how do you want to leave your family? Do you want to leave them disorganized and in chaos because they're going to be grieving for you? And what's the most easiest way that you can make it easier on them to go through this process? So I so. Take me through the steps that would be important to pre-plan a funeral. Yeah, Ryan, I'll take off with this. I mean, the first one is selecting a funeral home. And a lot of that in the rural areas is done by tradition. That's not always the best way. Mm -hmm. I think I, I, I was comparing this on the phone today with someone. I hate 
buying vehicles. It is a very high pressure situation. And I'm not even under stress from grief. I'm under stress from maybe financial means and maybe because I don't trust someone. But I feel that's somewhat comparable to funeral services. You're walking into a completely unknown situation that you've either never done before, or you're going to do very funeral, very few times in your life. So it's a completely unknown situation that is going to cause great stress. And, you know, real quick on your other question, it's really hard for us as funeral directors to identify by those who are disorganized versus those who are in the throes of grief that comes out eventually but real quick it's hard to peg that whether they're grieving they're unorganized or there's something else going on but the first one is to find a funeral home and we talk on the podcast it's real easy to call pick up the phone call three funeral homes just ask a couple standard questions you know okay can you send me some information can you send me some pricing you're gonna find out real quick there's probably one of those three you'll never want to talk to again uh and then the other two it's going to be up in the air uh, I do encourage folks to go in and meet, tour the facility, talk to them. It's a very low pressure situation. Uh, if you start to get pressure, that's a red flag. So Ryan and I always talk about red flags. You can go through and you can plan your funeral. And this is what I tell my community. You can plan it for nothing. You don't have to have a financial transaction. Now, while you're here, we're going to have that financial conversation about how it works if you prepay it, how if it works if you use insurance, how, if you, how it works if you put money in a trust or whatnot. We're going to cover them all because one mode does not necessarily fit every family. So as a funeral director, if I'm put, putting pressure on a family to pre, prepay right away, that's a red flag. It, it's time to walk and, and turn away. So, but it's these conversations we don't want to have. We don't want to meet a funeral director. We don't want to talk to a funeral director. Although we're regular people with hobbies and, and likes and interests and families, we're actually really, really easy to talk to, most of us. But if you find someone that you don't want to talk to, run away fast. And it's so easier to run away once your your deceased loved one is not, if they're not in their care, easy peasy to run. Uh, yeah. But well, once you've selected a funeral home and mom's in the back room in their care center, well, it makes it a little bit tougher. What are some of the other red flags that people should run run away uh, from? I guess for me, Ryan, and I don't, I don't mean to railroad Ryan. No, Ryan no, no. This is Brian's cup of tea here. Let him go. Let him go on a rant. <laughs> I do this on our show, too. <laughs> but if there's ever any sales pressure, mm, big red flag, big red flag. As, as funeral directors, our philosophy, Ryan and I at least, and we're trying to spread the good word, I believe it's a good word. If my opinion changes, I'll change it. But I, I call ourselves Switzerland here. Hands up. We, we are educators. We, we, we want to put your mind at ease. We want to set the expectations, meet your expectations, and, and inform your family what we can do. If we can't meet your expectations, we should be able to put you in contact with someone that is. So being pressured to purchase certain products big red flag. There's got to be a reason behind it. If you ask me, you know, we want to have a public viewing for mama in three weeks. I'm going to say, we're going to need to embalm. Do I have your permission for that? They may follow that up with why? Well, I'm going to tell them refrigeration is not an equal to embalming. Dry ice is not an equal to embalming. The reason we embalm is because you ask me for something later. This is the only way I can, I can hold my head high and say, no problem. It's the only yeah. tool in my disposal proposal. Um, and, but I feel like that answer is clear and I can go into more detail and more detail. And, and, and that's the thing with funeral service. There's so much behind the scenes work that no one ever sees. They see the clean cars. They see us in suits, although they may be from JC Penney's, may they rest in peace. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they see the polished side, but they don't see the sweat and the tears and the time and the, the, the late getting homes. But 
you know, it, it just when those, those situations come up that you feel uncomfortable, sometimes it's the sales aspect of funeral service is, is what's so touchy to us as funeral directors, because we catch so much criticism about it, about a casket or an urn or embalming or anything that we may do, because it all sounds like a joke or something silly until you need it or want it. And then it, it's nice to have someone who can explain the whys of what we do. So, so you would say having someone, you just don't want to feel pressured. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to have a, someone who's going to take the time and explain the situation and, and not be made to feel like you're, uh, you're just another dollar sign to them. Bingo. David, one thing I, I want to reiterate here, and Brian will agree with this. Know this, you can walk away and call somebody else. You can always walk away. Understand that. You, just because if you're having a bad experience and that you're not where you feel you need to be, you can make a phone call to another funeral home and that funeral home can transfer custody of, of that decedent into their care. It, it, we do it all the time. It's not a problem and, and it's not abnormal. So if when families listen to this, understand if you're unhappy and you're not, you don't feel comfortable, it's okay to stop ask some questions. If you're not getting your answers, it's okay to call somebody else and maybe ask them the same questions. Um, that, that's not a problem with that. You, I, I've, I've not, families need to under, they need to understand that and they're not going to. And, and it, we, it, the only way I think for us to really get that out there is to talk about it repetitively. You can go somewhere else. If you're unhappy where you're at, you're having a bad experience, Stop what you're doing. Call another funeral home. They will handle it from there. You, as a family member, don't have to have any more conversation with that other funeral home. It's over with. Mm -hmm. It's done. So that's I handle, I handle it from there. So people have to understand that. They don't know that. We have to talk about it. And that's what we're doing right now. So what you're saying is during the pre-planning phase, if you don't like you're being sold or if you're, you're, a loved one has passed away, and you're you're you know sitting in front of you there and they don't like what you don't like what you're hearing just get up and even though you're grieving and you have all this pressure on you it's still okay to get up and walk away absolutely until you, until you sign the dotted line you sign that contract and there's been a, a transfer and exchange financially in some way shape or form you can do whatever you want if you want to walk away you can walk away there's nothing it, that's the thing is 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 people there, there's just because you walked in my door doesn't mean that you necessarily have to use me as your funeral director. Right. Um, you know, we have people that come in asking for prices and things like that all the time. So, you know, it's, it's nothing for someone to come in my door and ask for pricing, then walk out. Yeah. You know? So it, we, we have to be able to do that. You know, that, anyway. Now, one point to add to that, Ryan, is when the death occurs is, and whether you're planned, things ahead or not, the, the natural human reaction is to get in a hurry. We got to feel like we got to do things as fast as we can. And as a funeral director, my job is to kind of bring the temperature of the room down, bring the pulse down a little bit and say, listen, I can work at your pace. If it's cultural or religious reasons, we're moving quick. Let's do it. We'll move quick. But if you're just feeling the stress of the situation, don't feel like you have to finish today. And I've had that conversations with families. I be like, I know this is rough. This is a terrible day. And it doesn't get much better in the immediate future, but 
if you need to take some time, please do. So just real quick, those red flags are, if you're being sold to, whether it's a, and you're being pressured hard sold to, whether it's a pre-planning situation or an at need situation, if you're told something that doesn't sound right, like, oh, you can't purchase a casket from someone else. You can't bring in your own urn. You can't dress your own loved one. Things get kind of, this is kind of weird answers. Ask more questions. And if you just don't connect with that director, you can ask for another director or you can choose another facility. But those red flags, you're going to, those are going to come up in your gut and you're going to say, I need to explore this more. And we encourage people to do that. Please do. Yeah. My final question to you, both of you is, you, you had said at the outset that what's the best part, um, when I asked you what's the best part of the business is, and it's the thank yous and the hugs. So what can people do to help financial directors help them do their job to the best of their ability? What, 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 how can you help them? What can they do to help you to help them even more? If that makes any sense. Are you, are you talking about in my head when, it did in my head when I first was saying it, but anyway, go on. Are yeah. you talking, are you talking, David, are you talking about the families themselves? Yes. Here, here's the biggest thing guys. And, and when it comes to helping the funeral director, you know, I don't know that they can help the funeral director and I don't know that that's necessarily their responsibility. First and foremost, let me say that before I start, our responsibility is to serve them, guide them through the process but what I will say is this, and I always go back to this because we have to have this done. We have to file for a death certificate. Try to know, you know, some of those social security number. Uh, you know that you're going to need, if they're a veteran, a DD-214. Um, you know, know the, the you know, fought, mothers, mothers may, you know, things that they're going to be, be asking within that, that death certificate uh, aspect of things. That's, that's the stuff that sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge, uh, you know, to family members that maybe even families that are broken up, like Brian said earlier, families are so, you know, very much molded together now differently yeah. that uh, at times, sometimes people don't know the last names of their, their, you know, loved ones from a different family or what, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that at, at times, having that information would make things a little bit easier. You know, there are certain things we're going to need. Brian can attest to this. We're going to need your social security number. Um, that's all. That's always, we're, we're going to need to know, at least in Indiana, I'll say it that way, at least in Indiana, we're going to need to know, you know, who your, your last doctor, who was, you were under their care, um, who's going to be signing the, the death certificate in so many ways. You know what I mean? We're going to yeah. need to know some of these things. Um, would it help to have have that information up front? Yeah. In most cases, can we get it pretty easily? Yeah. But, you know, I think there's some there's some things that uh, can can be a challenge. I've had problems with social, social security numbers. I've had problems with uh, maiden names. Um, you know, that that's been a challenge because there's there's been so much change within the family. They don't know necessarily the details of well before them in certain yeah. aspects. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they can help us. And it, it, information helps us. That's what helps us. That's what I'm looking for. What's the information? How yeah, I mean, information is what helps us. Okay. Um, I, I don't know that they can do anything from a, uh, you know, just do anything from just a tangible aspect to do anything for us. Yeah. That's no, not I, their I, job. That's what not what their I'm job. looking at is, is how to be just a little bit more prepared. 
So to make the, the, the whole process a little bit easier on themselves, which is going to make your job a little easier. Yes. In, um, information, what I would say is this, is call the funeral home. Uh, you know, if, if you know that there's going to be an impending death, call the funeral home, tell them your situation, let them kind of go back and forth and ask their questions. And in most cases, that director, by the time you get to that arrangement conference, has talked to the family enough to know and to tell them what paperwork he or she is going to need, uh, especially, you know, veterans are always, you know, I, I wouldn't say they're tough, but there's always paperwork paperwork involved there, extra paperwork. Right. So, you know, having that extra paperwork there, having that extra information there helps, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's what I would say. David, I think, yeah. like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know that they're, they're not there to serve us. So we, we you know, we've got to remember that. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes we, we do have to investigate a little bit. And yeah. So be it. Right. David, yeah. To your question, the first thing, simple step, completely free, have a conversation with your family, get to know them a little bit more. We seem to be doing that less and less, you know, we claim that technology keeps us together more. I think it keeps us apart. Have a conversation. What's important in life. You know, funerals really tend to be since the beginning of time mirrors to society. They show us the good. They show us the completely awful. And that's how we have families that don't show up to the funeral because, you know, the sister's at home cleaning mom's house out while we're going to the cemetery. These things really happen. Right. And yeah, so start with the conversation. Very simple. You know, what's important to you, whether you're an organ donor, tissue donor, whether it's burial, cremation. You know, I've told my wife, she buries me at sea. She'll never keep a kitchen cabinet door closed for the rest of her life. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh, you know, start with that and then really do some planning, whether it's with a funeral director, with your attorney, you know, wills are so important. I can't tell you how important they are. It's, it's so easy. It's so much easier to do it right the first time and to go back and have to fix it, especially when you're dealing with a court system and, you know, changing out the assets and whatnot. But, you know, so you can, you can plan ahead. I mean, that will in turn make our job a little bit easier, but like Ryan said, it's not your responsibility to make our job easier. We want it. And, and none of this is to take the sting of death away because it won't, it'll keep the situation from making it worse. Brian, I want you to touch on something here though. But, you know, it was something that would make things easier for us. I'll say this, and you talked about this and touched on this earlier, is finding out who has the right of disposition, mm. you know. And, and talk to me about this. People always bring up the idea of a living will, especially when we sit down, uh, you know, within the, uh, within the, you know, the arrangements, mm -hmm. just a will in general. Um, you know, talk, can you kind of talk to me when it comes to the, the custodial aspect of this? Um, yeah. Executor. Yeah. I mean, define who has the right of disposition here. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, for us in the for us in America, each state's going to have a priority hierarchy of who's in charge. I kind of went through it briefly there with my wife's in charge, unless Ryan's on some paperwork, um, and I designate, and that's a big one. And folks can sort that out by a five minute phone call. You call up a funeral home, you ask for a director. Hey, you know, when mom dies. You know, I'm the oldest and I think I'm in charge because I'm the oldest. Is that really how it works? No, yeah. it's probably not. Um, but hopefully you found a good funeral director that'll listen to you and maybe you're going to trust them a little bit. And you're like, you know, okay, so we're all in this together. I, I think we can go talk to this gal over here. And I think that, that that's just really important. I, I think if people are afraid to contact funeral homes, it is completely free to call on the phone and have advice. 
you know, funeral, funeral directors in our experience, especially with over 300 episodes, they're talkers. You guys can I'm, look at us. We're just rambling. Uh, but we're people, we're, we're people who are people, people. That's it. Well, Ryan Ballard, Brian Waters, <laughs> the host of the undertaking the podcast. You truly do have a lot to say. You didn't ramble on. <laughs> he goes, he says, he says, just, just go 30 minutes, Brian and Ryan. Hey, for sure enough, we're 41 minutes. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's you were fine, Ryan. You didn't Babylon. Brian didn't Babylon. Even though we went longer than we usually do, you gave you gave a lot of great gems, ideas, thoughts, and 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 tips that are hopefully make people not be afraid to come to a, you know go to a funeral home, talk to a funeral director, and if they have to go through the process, that they're going to feel a lot more um, comfortable going through the process by talking to sympathetic and empathetic guys like you in your industry. And for that, I appreciate you being here on the Executor Help podcast. I know your podcast is called Undertaking the Podcast. If there's anything else you want to share, where to find you, who you are, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. You, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We drop episodes Tuesdays and Fridays every week, and we have some special episodes dropped in there randomly throughout the year. You can connect with us on undertakingthepodcast.com, or you can email us at infoundertakingthepodcast.com. Follow us at UndertakingPC on Twitter and Instagram, I do believe. Uh, Ryan's also on TikTok, doing a little bit there, and Facebook as well. Um, don't care how you contact us. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks, David. Guys, thanks for being here today, and I, I wish you all the best. And hopefully, we'll do something else down the future. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter.